Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is supported by SafeBand. SafeBand is the indigo silicon wristband that lets people know that you or a member of your family has been vaccinated to protect them from COVID-19. And with every SafeBand that's ordered by you, or people like you, we donate one to a frontline key worker or vulnerable member of the community. Slowly, life will return to how it once was. Until then, we're determined to get things back to normal for those who've taken the first step. Find out more by clicking the link in the description or visiting safeband.me. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Joe Doherty in the chair, stepping in for Nigel Rothband. And I, in a great week in which Manchester City have made it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and the semi-finals of the FA Cup, I have three very distinguished guests to join me. First of all, we have Paul Denby. Good evening, Paul. Good evening. Great to be here. We have Sarah Messenger. Hello, Joe. And David Blakeney. Welcome, David. Hi, Joe. So I wanted to start tonight by talking about uh, the Champions League. Obviously, on Tuesday, we got through a bit of a bit of a simple game, I thought, against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I feel like we'd done the hard bit in the first leg. So, Sarah, um, what did what was your initial thoughts on the game straight after watching it? I, th- I tweeted on the night, Joe, that for me it was probably the first time that I actually felt like we played and behaved during the match like we belonged on that European stage and it's hard you know I'm not saying there haven't been better European performances I'm not saying that there haven't been other really good nights but there's always been we've had this love-hate relationship with the Champions League for reasons that we've discussed before on this show Um, and there's always been this slight concern that when it comes to the really sort of critical bit of the of the competition that we do we doubt that we really belong there and for me I just felt that performance was the kind of performance of a team that absolutely believes it belongs there and, you know, has got a decent chance of winning it. I'll say no more than that because as City fans, we never count our chickens, as you know. But I, I thought it was a really mature performance. It wasn't dazzling, but it was what we needed. So, um, David, would you agree with that? It was, a, it was a time when we just really looked like we belonged on that pitch and we didn't, we didn't look out of place 
comfortably winning in Europe. Yeah, I, I mean, I felt pretty similar in the fact, I think they call it game management, didn't they? And they certainly managed that game throughout. And I think they obviously 2-0 up, 4-0 on aggregate. We'd done the job, just take it easy. I mean, we as fans say, no, no, let's get a third, let's get a fourth. But really, they didn't need to, and they did a great job. And um, yeah, we 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 look we look good. I totally agree with that. I thought that um, we got things going in the right way. Um, Paul, how important did you think it was that we got that second leg off to such a quick start? I thought that first 20, 30 minutes of that game, we were absolutely superb. Now, whether that's because Borussia Mönchengladbach aren't a brilliant European team. They've got pedigree, but I thought we were absolutely brilliant for that first half hour. The two goals that we scored were absolutely excellent goals and allowed us then to be in a position to manage the game, as David said, and as Sarah alluded to as well. It was a really good first 30-minute performance, allowing them to, for the last 60 minutes for us to step back. We didn't need to score any more goals. 4-0 up. We're not going to concede... We needed to concede four goals at that point, and we're not going to concede four goals. So it was a great performance. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. I thought, um, obviously, De Bruyne's goal coming when it did and really setting the game alight a bit in the way it did was, was massive for us. Um, so obviously, the draw was made uh, on Friday. We go into the quarterfinals against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, David, if I could get your um, reaction to that, um, if, do you think that's quite a winnable-looking tie or you know a potential um, banana skin? I think, to be fair, it's as good as it could have got. Really, yeah. Maybe some people say Porto, but they did well last round. So I think I'm just relieved we didn't get Bayern Munich or PSG, and quite pleased that PSG are now going to play Bayern Munich, giving them a tough two games. So yeah, I I, I don't think we can grumble about that at all and um, I suppose obviously with the semi-final we know who we play if we get through um, that's a different ball game then uh, if I'm honest I would rather play PSG um, or Bayern on a for me a one-legged game i.e. in a final as opposed to a semi-final because I think we'll match anyone but to match someone like Bayern on to, over two games I think that's going to be the challenge. I completely agree with that. I, I think I would have rather have got one of them in the final as well. But um, Paul, if I could bring you in. Um, so obviously we know we're getting in the semis. Uh, we've got one of PSG or Bayern, which I think we all agree would have been about as hard as it could have got. Um, do you think that knowing that as well, going into the game might give us some degree of preparation for, in terms of how we play this game as well? I think you've got to take, as a, as a footballer say, each game as it comes. Uh, I think you take the Dortmund game, first of all. Uh, we know their, their strengths, scoring goals through Haaland and the creativity through Sancho. We know all about them, uh, as the rest of Europe does. Um, we've got to really be really closing them out and not giving them too many opportunities in the, in the first leg at home because uh, we can't afford the away goals. We'll, we'll score goals against Dortmund because they are not that strong defensively. Uh, they do concede quite a few goals. They're not having a brilliant season in the German league. They're, I think they're about fourth or fifth in the, in the table. So they are beatable. Uh, and therefore, we take that game, hopefully progress. I'll take nothing for granted. 
been to quarterfinals several times in the past few years thinking we are the favourites. And maybe we were, but we screwed up for whatever reasons. Uh, Leon last year being the typical example. And then hopefully if we get through, um, yeah, it will be a real challenge, whether it's Bayern or PSG. If you if people looking at the draw would possibly have said the top three teams to win that competition based on current form will be Bayern 1, City 2 and PSG 3. So effectively, you've got two of the best three teams potentially facing each other in the semi-final. And it will be, for the neutrals, it could be a mouth-watering occasion. For us, City fans, we'll be just, if we get there, we'll be on the edge of our sofas, whatever, because we won't be there. Um, biting our nails and doing the usual um, stuff. It'll be a tense affair. Now, Sarah, one thing Paul touched on there that I wanted to bring up was actually uh, their big their big star, their big chance of stopping us in Dortmund's case is Erling Haaland. Um, firstly, I wanted to ask you, how do you think we stop him? Do you think that we're as good as anyone to stop him with the defence we've got at the moment? If I knew how to stop him, I'd have a coaching job at City, wouldn't I, Joe? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's phenomenal and, um, you know, City fans are very excited at the, let's say, possibility, no more than that, that he might join us. Um, you know, I mean, you need to, you, the, the, playing teams like Dortmund, you've got to be really well organised defensively. And if we'd had this tie a year ago, we'd have, we, let's be honest, we'd be bricking ourselves. We'd, we have now got an organised defence. We've got uh, players who are playing really well. Um I don't think we can say it's, a, you know, it's guaranteed we'll stop Haaland from scoring because he seems to be able to score out of almost any chance, even ones that don't look straightforward. Um, but I think going back to what Paul said, we have to play the game on the basis that we're capable of scoring quite a lot of goals against them. And that the way we play as a team, I think, is stronger than Dortmund. So they may have a brilliant striker, but as a, as a unit, we're a better team. And on that basis, we ought to beat them. But as also as Paul said, we we, we thought that against Leon, uh, we we hoped that against Tottenham, and the list goes on. So um, yeah, but I, I I the bottom line is if you want to win it, you've got to beat all the, all the teams that are left in it. And I was interested in what David said about preferring he would have preferred a one leg game against either Bayern or PSG because I know a lot of City fans. I what from what I've seen on on social media would prefer two legs against them, and I think you can argue it both ways. Um, in terms of whether it's we've got more chance if we've got two legs to beat them over rather than one. Um, but either way, let's just enjoy it and let's see where it takes us. Now, as we've touched on Harlan there, I wanted to um, expand on that a bit, moving on slightly, uh, especially with today's news that should we not get, you know, the, one of the most prized jewels in European football, we might instead get the mighty Danny Ings from Southampton, who, of course... Um, you know, I think we've already seen when he was at Liverpool that perhaps this isn't the sort of player we want to go for. David, what I want to ask you about Haaland is, do you think he would fit in well with, our, with us if, if we were to sign him? Just, just because I think that we've shown at times this season, certainly I would argue that we perhaps look better without a striker. Uh, it's a very hard one, isn't it? I mean, he's he, he's good on, you know, good with his feet and he's good in the air and he's... He moves. I do think we lack height up front. And I think he's probably one of the few players I've seen that as a a natural centre forward might fit in because I do think he's good with his feet. I think we really miss having a tall player up front. 
because we never use a height and we have so many wasted crosses that are going nowhere. And the only time we look dangerous is when we've got a corner and we've got stones and Diaz and, you know, the, the rest of them going up from the, the big guys. Um, I think he probably would be the one player that might fit into that position. Um, I, I don't think many could do it. Um, so we'll, we'll, you know, but I, I, I'm not really feeling that optimistic of getting him because it's going to be a real struggle for us to get him. It's going to be quite hard. So, but yes, I think he'll still be good. So, um, Sarah, if I can come back to you, um, in terms of getting someone like Harlan to join, obviously, I think we can all agree that we've not been a club that's been going out and spending and handing clubs blank checks effectively, like perhaps the likes of United and Chelsea have in the last few years. Um, do you think that there's any any aspects of the club that could really persuade him to join? Perhaps his father's in, influence. Well, I certainly hope his dad's having a word with him because that and it, it, they're allegedly they were both or one. Of, I think his dad is still a member of a Norwegian City Supporters Club and. The younger Harland was as well until a year ago when he was he kept getting linked with City, so he thought perhaps he ought to leave the sports club. Allegedly, um, yeah. I mean, I think I think there is something in clubs that you. I think if a player feels an affinity with a club, I do think that is a factor. But I don't think it's as big a factor as playing for Pep Guardiola and playing for a team with which with whom he can achieve his ambitions. And if he thinks City. If he thinks if he wants to play for Guardiola and if he thinks City have got as good a chance as any other club of winning him the Champions League and the Premier League, then I do think we're in with a really good chance. I know Real Madrid are allegedly sniffing around and they're all, you know, they're always a draw, aren't they? Lots of players claim that they've always dreamt of playing for Real Madrid, and that might prove something that scuppers us. But I, I, I do think we've got a reasonable chance of him, yeah. I do. Funny, Paul, if I can bring you in, we're talking about Haaland. Um, we had actually a tweet today from a Bolt from a Blue on Twitter who said that um, he wanted to know why perhaps other clubs might potentially be more appealing than us. I, 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 he mentioned Real Madrid and Chelsea. I think United and Barcelona have been linked. Um, why do you think? Do you think there are any other clubs that could offer a more, if you like, attractive package to make him join than City? Because as Sarah just said, obviously we've got everything on our side effectively with his dad and everything. I, I wanted to know what you thought about perhaps why a club might be more, why he might be more inclined to go to another club than us. If I was in his shoes, which I'm miles and miles, million miles from being in his shoes, the questions that he would ask if the potential to come to City is how long is Guardiola going to be there for? Because as a manager, if he's only going to be there one or two years, he'll think, well, I can benefit for one or two years. Then what happens? The other question, if I was in his shoes, you'd be asking is, you don't play with strikers as much as other teams do. I'm a natural striker. How many games a season are you likely to play me? And he can't expect to play all how many games we play in a season, 50, 50 to 60 games. And he wouldn't expect to, but he'd want to think that he would be still be a focal point of the team going forward. Guardiola's, when he was at Barcelona, when he's been at other teams, he doesn't necessarily have a, a, an out-and-out strike. Yes, he, he inherited Aguero and he kept him playing him. But when he um, plays Jesus, he doesn't necessarily play him as an out-and-out striker. He moves him around a bit and plays him uh, wherever he feels appropriate. And we play quite regularly without. So those are the sort of questions that Harlan might be asking. Forget the money side of it. We know that if we wanted to afford it, we could afford it. We've not got the 
the big name of a Real Madrid still. Let's be honest about it. Real Madrid and even those folks across the other side of um, Stratford, they've got a bigger name than us. They still have that attraction. Now, whether he'd go there to these other teams is another matter. I don't think Barcelona can afford him. Uh, PSG wouldn't have him unless they're letting Mbappe go. He wouldn't want to go there, I wouldn't have thought. Bayern Munich must be an opportunity. I don't know where Lewandowski's up to in his career in, in terms of what his next steps might be. So he's got very limited choices to where to go to. So those are the sort of questions that if if he asks them, he's got to get the right answers before he'd say, yes, I'll come to City. I, I think I agree with that. Um, I, I personally think we've got a decent chance of getting him, probably as good as any in England, but I'm not too sure going forward. Um, moving on from the Champions League and from Haaland then, obviously we had the FA Cup game on Saturday. Very big win at Everton. Um, obviously a ground that we perhaps these days have not too bad a record at, but history wasn't always on our side. And it wasn't easy. Um, Paul, if I can ask you, what, if I come to you first, um, what you thought about that game. And obviously, I think people have said it's quite a hard-fought victory. It was a hard-fought victory, but they didn't create too many chances. They had the, the, the Mina header, Yaramina header, uh, towards the end of the first half that Zinchenko, we think he cleared it off the line. Very difficult from the TV angles to see whether it was off the line, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt that it was. But other than that, Stefan didn't have to work hard. He, he wasn't worked. We kept them at a distance. We didn't create too many opportunities in the first half either. But in the second half, you could see we're gradually building up and building up and building up and doing what we do to so many teams, wearing them down mentally as well as physically by our continued control of the ball, passing it around, stretching the defence. And eventually, yeah, it was 84 minutes, I think it was. The, the, the keeper made a tremendous save from uh, Laporte's shot, but Gundogan was on hand, and, and then there was only one result. It was a it was a hard but well deserved victory, I thought. So, David, if I could bring you in there, um, obviously it took us a while to get get the goals, and we didn't perhaps create as much in the first half. Do you think that was just a sign of just how far we've come as a as a team that we that we just sort of never give up? You never, we never know that the games. The games beyond us, and we just deserve to go through with our resilience. Yeah, I mean, credit to Everton. I thought they were very organised up to a point. You can see when you start to wear teams down, um, they were poor up front. Everton. I thought their quality wasn't good up front, um, and I think we, you know, three or four of our best players were on the bench, and you know, it's not a coincidence that as soon as a certain couple, one player goes off, i.e. Sterling, and a couple come on. They made a difference. And I, I'm, I am deeply, deeply concerned about Sterling at the moment. I think he is poorer than poor. I feel like we've got 10 men on the pitch. Um, and look at the difference. When you see Foden, 21 years old, and what he does with the ball, and Sterling, who's meant to be a world-class player, it's chalk and cheese at the moment. So... You could see the difference. I mean, KDB's back to his best, and that was massive. And I think if we kept with the team and didn't make those subs, I think we would have struggled. We would have ended up, I think, in extra time. Um, so, But Gundo is, always manages to now be in the right place, and I think that's massive. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we did reasonably well. We made hard work of it, and I think the subs made the difference. Well, it's funny you should say about Sterling. That was actually my next point I was going to touch on. Um, Sarah, 
I could ask you what you thought about Sterling, not just his performance on Saturday, but kind of his performances generally, even, even when he's got goals recently, I've, I've personally felt there's um, something a bit lacking there and he's perhaps getting in not so much on merit when you compare him to perhaps other people that can play in that front line. I think David summed it up really well. He's, he's, not, he's not playing well. I think, I think Sterling's done a huge amount for City, so I'm loath to be overly critical of him because he's scored some important goals. He's, he's come on hugely as a player from the one we bought four or five years ago. And, and you know, so I'm slightly wary of get jumping on the let's all have a go at Sterling bandwagon. But on the other hand, he's standing out like a sore thumb in a team of world-class performers and, or, you know, really a, a really good team with some world-class players in it. And um, he's never been clinical. In fact, the shot that the keeper saved, it was a good save. Uh, he actually mishit that shot. That should have been buried, to be honest. Uh, he allowed the keeper to make a good save. It should have been buried. So I, I don't know. I mean, clearly Pep's noticed something because he's not played him for three and a half games. Um, I don't know whether there's something going on elsewhere with Sterling, but you know, we had this conversation about John Stones 18 months ago and we, we'd be eating our words again if we'd allowed him to move on with what he's produced this year. Nobody liked Gundogan when he first arrived. You know, we've had moments of being wondering about Bernardo Silva. I think when you play in a team as good as City, any slight dip in form and it stands out. And I think what Sterling's going through at the moment is a, a little bit of that. You know, would if, if we sold Sterling and bought Haaland and a couple of others, would I be distraught? If I'm honest, no. But I also don't want to downplay what he's achieved for us either. Buddy Paul, anything to add on Sterling? Do you think that um, perhaps him, he's maybe getting a bit of a buy into the starting eleven more than certain other players perhaps that he hasn't really earned lately? Um, perhaps. But there again, as Sarah mentioned a few moments ago, he was out of the team for a couple of two, three games, whatever, came on off the bench. His form has been pretty poor. I mean, he went through that phase as well. If we all remember a year or so ago, um, from about December until we had the break for the pandemic in March, early March, he wasn't on form then. Then when we came back in the summer, June through July and into August, he had a really good few games. He played really well. But this season, He's not done it for me in too many games. And Sarah's spot on. He, he scored loads of very important goals for us. Totally agree with that. But he's also missed some important chances for us as well. Go back to the Leon game where he missed a sitter. Go back to Burnley a couple of years ago when he missed a sitter as well. Those, those are important misses. Now, I, I th- I, I'm with Sarah as well. I think we've got to stay with him for the time being. See what. Hopefully Pep can sort out what's going on with him. Get him back to how he can play because he is a valuable player to the squad, but he's not an automatic first choice in my first 11 at the moment. And I think I said on the podcast last time I was on that if we got a good offer for Sterling and we needed the money because of financial fair play, et cetera, et cetera, to go out and buy Haaland, I'm with Sarah. I wouldn't be too upset that if we needed to sell him because he's a, he, somebody will pay quite a bit of money for a Sterling. David? Can I just add to that? It's one thing missing goals, yeah? But he can hardly run with the ball. He hardly gets past his man. He doesn't get a decent cross in. And you watch the overall contribution in the game. It's not just 
the goal side, it's a contribution side. When you see what Foden and Gundo and all these other players and De Bruyne does with the ball, in a side that wants to win the Champions League, yeah, look at some of the players are out there, the Impapis and Lewandowski and all these players. They're ruthless, great players, yeah, who you will every team can rely on. But with Sterling, we can't even rely on him passing or doing a decent cross anymore. It's that he is that shot to bits at the moment. Yeah. That I, that's what worries me. If we want to win the Champions League and we put him in the side, we are going to be at a real handicap. That's a big problem because we're not going to move forward with him. That's just my opinion. So and I don't want to be a down on him, but let's we have to be ruthless now. And and sentiment doesn't make a difference. It's we need everyone on top of the game if we're going to win all four or even three or whatever. So that's why I'm really concerned. No, I completely agree. And I actually think that um, at the moment, it's not just that he's not not meriting his place, but we've got other players perhaps in and around the team. Obviously, touched on Foden. I also think Mares has been really good lately. And the idea right now of who misses out of Mares and Foden seems to be the question on everyone's lips. And my, my opinion is drop Sterling and it's those two that would play. Um, being a bit more positive about someone in the squad, um, someone I really wanted to touch on from that game was Fernandinho, um, who I thought was excellent on on Saturday. Uh, Paul, if I could just ask you what you thought about his performance and and perhaps if with this harder run of games coming, would you play him first choice over Rodri still or, or do you think the rotation's important or, or what do you think? I think at his age, rotation is absolutely imperative. I think you, you couldn't play him we play two games a week virtually the whole season except for the international breaks. If we progress in the Champions League, etc., we're going to play two games a week now till the end of May. Um, you can't play Fernandinho every game. Rodri, I think, has come on quite a bit as well in the last um, uh, part of the season. He's, he's had some iffy moments earlier on, but I think he's fulfilling his potential a lot more now. So I'd be very happy at rotating those two. Uh, I'd also, uh, not just, uh, I mean, Finlandine had a brilliant game, I thought, at uh, the weekend. But I'd also like to get Aguero give some game time, maybe not in the key matches, maybe playing in some little league matches where, uh, you know, unless we blow it completely, we're going to win the league. So get Aguero, give him some game time to get his confidence up as well. So Sarah, what would you say about that? Uh, bring the likes of Aguero in perhaps a bit more. and Because personally, I'd like to see him, at the, apart from the else, just if he's going to leave this summer, I'd like to see him go out on a high note. First of all, just to echo what Paul said and you said, Joe, about Fernandinho, he was fantastic on Saturday. Um, and it actually has been fantastic in every game I've seen him in in the last sort of three or four games that he's played in. He's he's a phenomenal player, particularly for, you know, taking into account his age. Um, I think that I think Rodri and Fernandinho offer you slightly different things, and therefore, in effect, it's going to be horses for courses. And one of the things I've learned over the last few years is my simplistic understanding of football is nothing compared to the god that is Guardiola. So when I look at things, I think, well, why the hell didn't he start Aguero against on against Everton? That was an obvious game to get to allow Aguero to get more match fit and blah blah blah. And then no sign of Aguero. He didn't even come on as a sub. Um, I just actually. Don't I don't think I can second guess what Pep's thinking. I'd love Aguero to I certainly want him to score some a few more goals this season. Um, I'd like to think that if we needed him in the Champions League finally, be up to speed and fit, and to do that, he needs to have played some games. But I'm kind of 
you know, the recipes that Pat Pep's come up with this year so far have worked. So I'm kind of trusting him to make decisions about the right players in the right games because largely he's got it right. He's, you know, he's made the right judgments. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Dave, if I could bring you in, do you think that um, Aguero, perhaps, do you think it's only really worth looking forward playing in perhaps like lesser games perhaps if the titles run out uh, one as as Paul said or do you think that there is a chance for him to do something a bit more decisive in the running perhaps yeah I, I mean we I do want to see him play and I think maybe the domestic games are the best ones and uh, I, I have to say I think Jesus in the last few games has really come on well and I thought he played well the other day he works very hard and I think that's just what Pep wants. He wants someone like Jesus. And I think he's seen in Jesus. He's got his confidence. He's got a few goals. I thought he played well the other day. And I think Pep wants to persevere with him because that's the type of player he wants. And I don't think he can trust Aguero to really have that sort of work rate that Aguero's got. So, you know, if we're going to play not a great team in the league, maybe that's the sort of games he should play in for now. But you know, all it takes is one amazing game by Aguero and maybe he'll change his thinking. Just, you know, Aguero on fire, he might change his thought, but Aguero's not had a chance to show it. And when he has had a chance, he's not really done it yet. He just needs that match fitness. So I do think that. And just on Fer- Fernie, um, I think it's great having him and Rodri who can alternate. And, you know, I thought Fernie was great. I mean, the one funny thing with Fernie, you always know every game, He's good for a booking, isn't he? He always does that professional foul. You always know. But in the Champions League semi-final, court final, yeah, if he does play in any of those, you've got to be slightly careful because you get a bit worried that one day he's done it before, got sent off or something. He always makes me nervous once he's got that booking. You think, well, get him off now, protect him. So, But yeah, I love the fact we've got those two. I mean, that's a real bonus this season. In a way, Joe, if I can so, just just come back in quickly, but in a way, this debate is is evidence of the challenge we have as City fans in trying to anticipate what the right thing to do with our squad is. Because if we're really honest, there's probably at least four players in the City squad that at various points over the last two or three years, we as individuals, if we were managing City, would have sold. There's individuals we wouldn't have picked. And yet we can cite also, I mean, Jesus, the latest example that David's just given us, we can all now cite examples as to how we either were wrong about the player or they've come good or they had a little dip and now they're back, et cetera, et cetera. So 
that's that's what I mean. I think in a way we're second guessing what Pep wants to do with Aguero. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. Aguero, he's a world class striker. I just hope he has a really brilliant moment for us this season that either wins us the Premier League or gets us the Champions League final or wins us the FA Cup. I think that's what we're missing from Aguero. And if he does that, I'll be happy, even if he only plays two more games between now and the end of the season. So looking forward then, um, obviously we've, the draw was made uh, yesterday at half-time in the Leicester against United game. Uh, we've got Chelsea in the semis, which I think is arguably the hardest team we've got. And that's in amongst what's looking like a real, real challenging month in April. Um, Paul, first of all, I can get, what, get your reaction to the semi-final draw and what you think generally about how it fits in with the rest of what's a very challenging month. Well, uh, yeah, Chelsea will be a tough game. They've come on, they're, they're defensively much better, although they haven't played great teams yet uh, that would attack them. So it'll be interesting to see when we do get to play them, how their defence holds up against uh, City. We'll, we will have more possession uh, in that sort of game. It was a tough draw, but there again, as it was made at half-time, it was Leicester or United was one of them, and Southampton, everybody wanted Southampton as the weakest of the four teams, simple. Nobody wanted City. Uh, you looked on Twitter and social media afterwards, Chelsea fans were cursing that they got City in the, in the semi-finals. So um, we can beat anybody on our day, and that's the way we've got to look at it. So City play their strongest 11 against Chelsea in a semi-final. Yeah, of course Chelsea could beat us in a one-off game, but we are the better team, 11 versus 11, and therefore I would go into that game uh, optimistic that we could beat them, but equally knowing that a slight mistake or anything that goes wrong and we could lose it as well. Dave, if I could bring you in as well, um, in terms of ju- not just the Chelsea game, but next month generally, because obviously after that, now we've got the international break, um, going into that, assuming everyone's fit, of course, how do you think you perhaps manage this very demanding uh, schedule? Well, I think I've sent uh, on, on one of the uh, a note out to everyone saying how many games we've got to play. Now, if we get through to the Champions League semi-final, in theory, we're meant to be playing the uh, Carabao final on Sunday, on Tuesday, a quarter, a semi-final then of a Champions League. I mean, surely they're going to have to change it, but we've got that many games coming up. It is just relentless. So I suppose we're lucky we've got this amazing squad. What we don't know at the moment, is how good we our best side is against of some really amazing sides. And I think, you know, once we get the Dortmund game and then if we get through that one, we've not really had a test. We've not played the best sides in Europe. We've had such an easy run in Europe. We don't know what we're really going to be like in Europe, do we? <laughs> we just haven't got a clue. Um, Chelsea left. Chelsea look good at the moment. They're playing well. But um, I, I, equal, I don't think they have played any really difficult team. So we don't know how good they are. And they, you know, they struggled a bit yesterday anyway. So um, I think as Pep says, we just, every single game, you take one at a time, don't you? Because everyone's going to, we know we can lose to Spurs <laughs> in a cup final. So it is one game at a time, isn't it? Funny, Sarah, if I could bring in, bring you in and see, not like looking ahead to this month, not just how perhaps we'd manage it, but do you think that there's going to have to be certain things we prioritise? I mean, I mean, personally, I think every game is like a cup final going forward, but um, seeing what you thought. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, actually, if you look at it, I don't think our schedule for April is really any different than it's been in previous seasons when we've got to the quarterfinals. And yes, yeah, so, you know, there's a Carabao Cup final thrown in there, but that's instead of a league game. I think the difference is every game this this month matters hugely. There's not a kind of week where we're playing Newcastle at home and we can think to ourselves, oh, OK, well, we've got a slightly easier game there. Every game looks difficult on paper, including Leeds. So I think that's what's making us freak out a bit rather than it's not the number of games. And I mean, if you look at Chelsea, I mean, they're going to have a Champions League quarterfinal uh, at the same time. They're battling to stay and make sure they're in the top four. So um, I just think this is where the fact that we've got the depth of squad and we've and we're used to rotating. It's not as if we're suddenly going to start rotating. Now things have got difficult. He's built a mentality around rotating in the run-up to this month that I think is going to hold us in good stead. So, you know, we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, picking up on the points that just made, I totally agree. But we've just won, I think it's 24 out of 25 games against reasonably good opposition. Yes, OK, the Champions League is getting to the next level now. And we've played some lesser teams in the FA Cup. And we've got the tougher ones coming up. But we have still won 24 out of 25 games by rotating. April is just the same as the rest of the season uh, has been. We'll continue. We've played two games a week all the way through. It looks like we'll probably have two games a week for the most of April once we come back off the international break. I think to David's point, unless UEFA want to really screw us, surely they'll make our Champions League game on the Wednesday, not the Tuesday, uh, after the uh, League Cup final, because that would be very... uh, unfair but they might do it to us um that we play on the sunday against tottenham then surely we'll play the wednesday the champions league game uh because that's the semi-final i think so we're jumping ahead to to hopefully that we're getting through there um but it's it's the same as the rest of the season i think if we win all our games or get through to the finals of of the competition we've got 16 games to go i'll just have a minor point that i don't think the league games and I could be blown to pieces for this, are as important as the cup games. We can afford to lose the odd one or two league games. We can't afford to lose the cup games. Uh, David, do you agree with that? Do you think that the league perhaps needs to take the least important regards of the club? Yeah. I mean, when I said about the number of games, the difference now is these number of games are against tougher oppositions because in the cup, they're tougher games. We are getting to the end, the, the really important stage of the season. And um, I do think it's going to be a lot harder when you're playing semi-finals, finals and quarter-finals, as opposed to what we've just gone through. So the, it, it, it's the intensity of those games and the importance. And unfortunately, is this build-up of quadruple overhanging us? And I hate that because... The press are going to build this into something big now and it will hit the minds. It will get into the heads of the players now, whether they say it or not. So that's why I'm saying it it freaked me out to see a game on a Sunday, a cup final and two days later. And if they don't change that, that, that next 10 days are just relentless games. Really hard that mentally for these players, not just physically. And yeah, we can rotate it, but we know we're not at our best without some of those players who we will need to play every game. that That's my worry. Uh, Sarah, anything to add on that? That's just um, from that point about uh, the, like the cup final being so close to another potentially very important game. 
Well, I mean, they, they, they have to move it to the Wednesday, although, uh, as David's alluded to, I, I wouldn't absolutely put my house on them doing that because, they, they, you know, we know their propensity for perverse decisions every now and again. I mean, David, of course, you're absolutely right, David. The intensity of this next month will be greater than the intensity, mental intensity, but it's met the mental. I don't think the physical intensity is necessarily any greater, but the mental intensity will be. Um, but I, I guess the final thing I was going to say, from in terms of your, you, you mentioned the Q word, Joe. So I'm just going to come back on it. You know, part of me is really irritated by it, but I know the media have got an agenda, and we all know that at the moment we get knocked out of something, they'll be on it like a rash with how we failed and this, that, and the other. Um, to be honest, if we only win the Premier League, I'll still be happy this season. If we win all four, it'd be amazing. Um, but actually, just the fact that it's little old City who have been discussed as the first club ever to win a quadruple is, in a way, satisfaction enough for me. And if we do it, I'll be elated like every other City fan. And if we don't, as long as we get the Premier League, I'll still be happy. I think I quite agree. And, and to be honest... Um... I think if you'd asked us two or three months ago, were we anticipating winning anything, never mind the, the Premier League or, or adding further trophies to it, I think that we'd have laughed you out the room, to be honest, because it, it's, it's, it's almost like two different teams now, isn't it? Yeah. Can I just say one thing, by the way? I mean, what about the pressure on us watching? <laughs> never mind the playing. I don't know how I can stand it. But apart from that, didn't Celtic win the quadruple in 67? We might, I think Celtic might have won it. I'm not sure. But I'd heard but, but, Celtic had won, were the first, the only team ever to do the quadruple was Celtic. I know it's only the Scottish League, <laughs> but still, um, I'm not sure. I guess on that them, you've got to factor in the fact that they went, them winning a European Cup's unbelievably impressive as well. Yeah, so that was it. But um, yes, it's, <laughs> it's hard work, isn't it, watching? <laughs> It's brilliant, and 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 I, I think for me, I just can't really believe we're in this position now. It's almost you watch and think, oh my god! I mean, it's just ridiculous to think when Carlo Ancelotti says the best team in the world is City. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? I still think Bayern are better, but anyway, but it's still a ridiculous place to be, and it, I, I, I can't. I, I'm still pinching myself. I couldn't agree more. It's it's very surreal. Just obviously, you three have all supported City quite a lot longer than I have. But um, even even from my point of view, growing up with getting trying to convince people that Nicholas and Elka was the best strike was in the top three strikers in the league to see us really talked about as in that top teams in Europe is is so surreal. Um, before we wrap things up, I'm just I'm just. Totally agree with you, though, David. That um, it's taking it out on all of us a bit as well. And I think uh, I, I think a part of me, for once, is almost looking forward to a bit of a break and re- pretending I particularly care about um, the England games. Yeah, just just picking on that. The the season before last, when we beat Liverpool by one point, I went to every single league game, biting my nails if I had any left on tenter hooks really anxious before those games. That was really, you know, you knew you had to win each game because Liverpool had either just won or had a, an easy game that they were going to win. And I, I can't remember, I think we won 17, was it 16, 17 games, whatever it was, on the run to win the league and we had to win every game. That was nerve shredding. And with David, 
I am nervous before we go into the cup games against Everton. I, I was nervous. I'm not quite as nervous, I'm primarily repeating myself, as we go into the league games because it'd have to be a disaster to lose that from now. Um, but the cup games are, you can't afford to lose them. So I do go in there and I'm pretty nervous before those games get going and during them. We've got to be three up with 10 minutes to go or th- four up with 20 minutes to go before I relax. But the ironic thing is, I do also love it when it's like the Everton game and it's like eight, six minutes to go and we've, it's nil-nil and, you, and, and you're on tender hooks. I mean, the excitement we've had in winning some of these games recently has been also equally brilliant as well. So I, I sort of love it and I hate it. I mean, I remember when we beat Burnley in the run-up to winning the league last time and we beat Burnley with that 1-0 game. I can hardly watch it. I'm almost pouncing around the house. I can't bear this any longer. But then at the end, you love it and you feel so great. And, oh, wow. It's, you know, we'll never forget these moments, will we? Spot on. It was like when, sorry, when Gundogan scored that goal against Everton, I was out of my chair. It was like I was at the grey. I don't necessarily jump out of my chair when I'm sat at home when we score goals, but I was out. It was, that was it. Yes. Yeah. And you know what's even funny? My wife was celebrating as well, but that's because she had a dinner ready. <laughs> she didn't want extra time and penalties. She said it better score quickly. <laughs> and she walked in to see the game. And the minute she walked in, we scored. I know it's hard, but that's why we've got to enjoy it because we've we've watched some dross over the years, let's be honest. So yeah. it, it, it's it, I'd rather live with the night, you know, the nightmare of biting my fingernails for 87 minutes and then scoring a winner than watching Stuart Pierce's majestic team score no goals at home for five months. So, you know. And and even if we don't get the Champions League, if we get the treble again, you go, I mean, for anyone to get the treble twice would also be the most incredible achievement as well. Twice even in three years. Well. Twice in three years. I mean, no one's going to get anywhere near that. You know, when Liverpool were great, they didn't go, they weren't going for anything. Okay, maybe champion. No, they weren't going for any of the cups, were they? Like we are. Every season we seem to be involved in all the, every cup all the way through to the end. It's incredible. When you think Klopp was lit, Klopp was actively playing not just a second string team, he was actively playing the kids last season when they were going all the way. I mean, obviously they're a bit unlucky in the Champions League, but in the, in the domestic cups, they was almost like they were actively trying to get knocked out of them. And, that yeah. couldn't be further from the truth with Guardiola. Incredible. So, uh, yeah, it's fair. it's going to be exciting. I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm glad we got two. Obviously, now we're all holding our breath that no one gets injured because, unfortunately, we've got so many internationals. I mean, it, it, it is a bit nerve-wracking. I just hope everyone comes back, and especially Diaz and Stones. Any Anything happens to them too would be a massive concern. I agree. I hope that the Portuguese and the English teams are completely wrapped in cotton wool between yeah, the games. Because we can get away, I think, without most of the other players. We can get away with it. I don't think we can get away. I think Stones and Diaz are the critical to to be fit. I think they're going to make the difference against Haaland or Mbappé or whoever that we, we face. You know, that that's to me the key. Well, I mean, having looked at the fixtures, I don't really see. I don't need to, England. Don't need to play Stones against San Marino, do they? No, not at all. Well, they won't be challenged at the back anyway, will they? So they'll have an easy ride that game. 
Let's hope he plays that one. <laughs> not yeah, the play other. Stones against San Marino. He can he can pass yeah. it around the back. He can get the deck the chair out, player. can't he? Play Maguire <laughs> against Poland, up against Lewandowski. Yeah, he might get the run around. Get get the I'm, yeah, and the other thing is we don't want him to make some silly mistakes, get pounded by the press, and suddenly lose the confidence for a silly England game, do we? <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, it, I, I, I really can't get excited about them. But I think, as you were saying, David, I'm just happy for the bit of a break from it all. To be yeah. honest, <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun tonight. Some um, some really good stuff touched on. Obviously, we've got the we've got a bit of a break now before we play Leicester, but. Uh, been great to be back on. Really enjoyed sharing it uh, while Nigel's away. A big thank you to my guest, David Blakeney. Thank uh, you. Sarah Messenger. Thank you, Joe. And Paul Denby. Thank you. Pleasure. This, this is Joe Doherty saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.